What's up, Gravel family? I'm Jason. And I'm Sophia. And we got another fun episode here. No banter this time. We're just going to go right no, into it. we're going right All into right, it. We're going right into it. Um, so we're really <laughs> excited for this next guest. Uh, she is no stranger to very long rides. I feel like our last couple podcasters have been like yeah. the really long writers i know i know like the I, extra crazy i honestly like that because i like a look into their brain of like what makes them want to do something that crazy <laughs> i love it all right so without further ado um our two-time winner of the long voyage 300 in 2021 and 2022 this last year in 2023 uh, she got third at the unbound xl 350 she's also got third at the world 24-hour time trials she's also a traveling nurse so she's full-time nurse as well so so lots of stuff to balance in her life. So welcome to the podcast, Paige Redman. Woo! Hi, thanks for having well, me. <laughs> it's been a long time no see. We haven't seen you in person since 2022. Not me. Or Not- wait, nope. We did see you at Unbound, though. No, I yeah. I spent a lot of time with Paige <laughs> in a car driving across the country very slowly. With that's right. Crewing, I really got crewing to for Jason. Christy Tracy. <laughs> How was that, that was so experience, Paige? Was that your first time crewing for a race like that? It actually was not. <laughs> um, I The first time I crewed was for the vegan cyclist and Shane Trotter. They did uh, the two-man uh, team um, race across the West and actually broke the two-man team record. Nice. What do you like about crewing? Uh, I love crewing because you kind of get to see the behind the scenes of what actually happens during races like that, because most of the time you only see the racer and like how they're working so hard riding, which riding that far is very hard. Um, But the crew is the backbone of everything. They make, they do all the planning, the um, nutrition. um, They make sure that the rider is safe. Um, they literally do everything and it's and it's literally an endurance event for the crew too because you don't get to sleep if the rider's not sleeping <laughs> yeah, right it was it was fascinating uh getting to do that with you because you had already done crew so let's go back a little bit we should talk about what yeah. we're talking <laughs> what race we're talking about so uh ram which is race across america and then raw which is what uh we did together but you crewed for ram which is the whole thing right the first time no i actually only have done raw and um silver state 508 gotcha so okay so raw is race across the west which is like the first um, like 40 percent 30 percent 35 percent something like that of ram which goes all the way across the country so it starts in oceanside california and goes all the way to durango colorado it is a road race um, but, and it's a very supported race. So there's teams that help the rider out. Um, kind of the goal of the crew is to make sure that the rider, the only thing they have to worry about is riding nothing else. Like they don't have to worry about anything. <laughs> so, um, because mm-hmm. it is very, very difficult. Um, they ride pretty much all the time, especially the, the two man crew, they like basically didn't stop. So they, you would sleep while the other person's riding in another vehicle or go up ahead and get a hotel and stuff. So it, that's, that's what we're talking about with this crew stuff. So, um, so you helped, who was it that broke the record? Vegan cyclist. And who was the other uh, one? Shane Trotter. Shane Trotter. Yeah. So wild, wild, uh, stories on that side. Um, what was it like? Well, so when you and I did it, it was just one person, Christy Tracy. So there were some times where there was downtime when she would sleep for three hours, maybe four hours at the most. 
uh, but the other one, you were pretty much go the entire time. So what, what was the difference between helping a two-man crew and a one-man crew? Um, so the two-man crew, uh, I didn't sleep for over 48 hours. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, and, yeah. And so basically you're switching drivers, you're switching um, riders. And so like while one rider would sleep for, you know, 15 minutes in the car, you're driving the car while the other rider's riding. And then you have to be ready to have the bikes ready. So when they swap bikes, they can or uh, swap riders, they're ready to go. And then you have your nutrition ready for the rider who's about to take a nap. It's chaos. And I think having a crew that works really well together is key. Um, but a lot of times these crews are kind of put together just like whoever has the time off and can do it. So you don't really get to choose a whole lot on who your people are. Um, so, you, so, you know, there, there was some issues that we kind of had to deal with and, um, you know, we worked through them. But, uh, yeah, I think just staying up for 48 hours, not being I – w- I actually wanted to be riding instead. I was like, throw me in, coach, <laughs> throw me in. <laughs> Because I think it's easier than like trying to stay awake while driving. <laughs> right. Were you just living off of coffee and energy drinks or how did you stay awake? Because you not only have to stay awake, uh, you have to stay very alert. Yeah, a lot of coffee, a lot of Red Bulls, um, very <laughs> healthy diet. <laughs> yeah, I think I think for like the couple days after I got back, I was like, can I just only look at like green things? Because it was like all the only option are pretty much gas station food or fried chicken some of some kind yep. <laughs> the whole time for three days yep. or whatever so uh yep. what was the finishing time of the record the two-man record oh um i want to say it was like it was either 46 or 47 hours i think wow, wow. <laughs> i could be wrong yeah um i think we did get like a 15 minute like time penalty because of a backlight was out or something like that um but we still ended up breaking that um and so shane basically rode all the flats because he's really fast on the time trial bike and um tyler vegan cyclist he rode all the climbs um which he's faster at and uh yeah they worked really well as a team they've they actually have um I think they've done a couple of events together. I'm not sure which ones, but um, then we ended up, me and Shane crewed for Tyler at the 508, um, which the vegan cyclist ended up winning the endurance, ultra endurance uh, championships there last year. Wow. Yeah, yeah that was that was definitely a fun experience. Uh, I, think, I think you and I, uh, there was a couple times where we were able to get up ahead and we just fell asleep <laughs> in the front seat of a car mm-hmm. of the Subaru. So it was, oh, that yeah. was a really fun experience <laughs> that I'll probably be talking about for the rest of my life. So it was, you it was get fun. Really, to... uh, you get really creative on how to sleep in a car. <laughs> yeah. Do you see yourself ever doing race across the West or race across America? Absolutely. But uh, money is a huge thing. Sponsorships and money are pretty much the only way to get it done um so if anybody out there is looking for like a team that wants to do a race across america i'm qualified (laughs) (laughs) that's the other thing is it's it's pretty hard to even qualify what's the qualifying to get into that 
So I actually qualified um, doing the 24-hour World Time Trial Championship. Um, I rode 411 miles in 24 hours, and I believe you have to ride over 400 miles in a 24-hour period in order to qualify for Race Across America. And they have a bunch of different events that you can try and qualify for that. Wow. 411 miles, you said, in 24 hours? Yeah, yeah. That's a 17, yeah. over a 17 mile an hour average for 24 hours, and that, including stops. You can stops. ask Christy Tracy. <laughs> yeah, you can ask Christy Tracy. It was a hard year, too. Uh, we had like 35 to 45 mile an hour winds overnight, oh and uh, it was absolutely terrifying. <laughs> and how long is that course? Does it kind of get repetitive going around and around and around? Uh, it is 18 mile. It's an 18 mile loop, and... Yes, it is very repetitive. But then, like, I think you kind of, like, get really good at marking out where you're going to, like, stand out of the saddle or, like, get into your drop. So, like, you get really acquainted to the route. And then the last, uh, I believe it's four, two hours or four hours, you ride a four-mile course, uh, which is a smaller oh, course inside of it. Yeah. They, okay. Do they do that to just keep better track of where everybody's at? Or what's the... I think so. Or does it does it go to a closed circuit at that point or Um it's not closed but I think it just it makes it easier for them to be like hey it's been 20 bars you're done. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense. That's really yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Was that your first attempt at the 24-hour time trial or have you done uh that before? Uh that was actually my first attempt. And my first 400 miles. (laughs) Wow, look at you. Well, let's throw it back all the way then. So what was your story of getting into cycling? What year did you start taking this really seriously? Uh, Let's see. I was a runner. not Well, sort of competitive. I liked 5Ks. Um, And I did a lot of community work with the uh, Tucson, Arizona um, roadrunners. Helped with all of their races. And then at the beautiful age of 25, my knee decided that it didn't want to work anymore and uh, (laughs) um, hurt it during a race and had surgery. And I thought my life was over after that um, until I saw a friend riding from Portland, Oregon to Seattle or vice versa. And I was like, oh, my God, I need a bike. So I hit him up and I was like, help me find a bike. And so I got a Fuji Oh, I don't even remember what Fuji it was. Roubaix. And uh, I rode it for the first time and got three flats and I wanted to throw the bike away. Oh, <laughs> and, no. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's see, that was 2016. So I almost didn't ride the bike the rest of the year because I was like so upset about it. And um, I got better tires. So 2017, I decided to do this Mount Lemon hill climb that they do over the summer where they sort of do like segments at a time until you get to the top of the mountain and uh, fell in love with it. Fell in love. Well, I love Mount Lemon, um, but being able to ride it was even better. And uh, a team uh, scouted me out in the local team and um, they're like, Hey, do you want to do crit races? I was like, I don't know what that is. Sure. <laughs> um, so I started doing crit racing and it's super intense, super fast. And super fun. Um, so started doing that and dove headfirst into racing, started doing the stage racing, um, and eventually worked my way up to a, a Cat 2. 
Um, so I was racing in the women's pro field at that point. Um, and then COVID hit and everything kind of just went down the drain <laughs> as far as racing. <laughs> um, then uh, over COVID, I started kind of doing longer and longer rides. Um, oh, actually, right before COVID, I got my first gravel bike and uh, I was hanging with a team called Caffeine and Watts and we did Rebecca's Private Idaho. And that was, if you ever have the chance, that is an amazing race. Um, probably the funnest like stage race I've ever done. <laughs> um, I actually don't know of any gravel races that do stage racing. Um, so if you like stage races, that's one to do. And um, so then obviously over COVID, I started doing long gravel rides and I started trying to find like crazy things to do. So with Emma Grant, um, she's a pro cyclist that visits Tucson a lot. She was attempting to do an Everest on Mount Lemmon. And I was like, hey, I'm going to join you. I've never ridden this far or this much, but let's try it. And uh, she made it through 32,000 feet of climbing. And I got 26,000 feet of climbing and got sick. Oh no. So, yeah. So I failed my first try. Um, and then the week later, I was like, I have to go back and do it. Um, so I ended up doing an Everest, uh, which is four laps of Mount Lemon. And uh, I think it was oh uh, 172 miles, <laughs> 32,000 feet of climbing. And two weeks after that, Shane Trotter, or uh, um, the, the guy who has been riding with Vegan Cyclist, he hit me up on Instagram and was like, Hey, do you want to do an Everest in Lake Tahoe? And I was like, heck yeah. So <laughs> went and did that. <laughs> um, and my strain of doing long uh, gravel rides just kind of kept going. Uh, I put together an infinity loop out in Arizona. Uh, it's kind of like a figure eight and it goes a uh, hundred mile of it. hundred mile loop is on road. And then you turn around and you do a hundred miles on gravel and we did that all in one run. And that was the first time I ever hallucinated on a bike. <laughs> Whoa. What was your experience with that? Um, I I was going up Mount Lemon in the dark because it was like 2 a.m. And we were like trying to finish. And I, I think I remember like somebody running with me. And then like I, I happened to have like my eyes closed while riding. So I don't know if it was a hallucination or a dream, but I was definitely asleep riding my bike, oh, which no. was a crazy experience. <laughs> I don't know how I stayed up, but it worked. But <laughs> um, And that was kind of my prep for the first Gravel Worlds uh, in 2021. I had never ridden 300 miles until that race. So that was fun. <laughs> That's so crazy. Okay, so so 200 miles was the most you had done but even that's pretty mm -hmm. crazy so then like how did you hear about the long voyage because that was our first year that we had had done it um so it was kind of uh we capped it at i think 100 people or 110 because that was our first yeah. um f the first gravel worlds was capped at 110 so the we kind of in a uh, nod to that we only had 110 riders so how did you hear about the long voyage and then think oh yeah i want to do that <laughs> um you know i don't remember how i heard about it. i'm sure it was like on instagram or something um or maybe i read something but i do remember i think in may right before that i saw that it was sold out and i emailed you and i was like hey i ride long distances if any spots open up in the 
a 300 mile I would love to do it and you literally emailed me back in five minutes and was like <laughs> the spot opened up come come race and I was just like oh my god yes I, I was in a car <laughs> with a bunch of friends and I was like I'm going to gravel worlds <laughs> That's and awesome. they're like oh my god good for you you're crazy <laughs> <laughs> exactly and then you not only came here and raced but you won that year so that was not only your first time riding 300 miles but you won it yeah um so I had followed Chrissy Tracy and I found out that she was going there too and I started the race with her and I was like fangirling her I'm like oh my god I can't believe I get to race with you and um (laughs) (laughs) we were we ended up being in the um lead group with the men uh I don't know probably 25 miles 30 miles in um and uh, we kind of were like hey like if we get dropped from the men's group like let's ride together and work together and then we'll sprint it out in the end um and I was totally okay with that because I had had no idea what I was doing (laughs) Um, (laughs) and uh she ended up having some like issues with her bike um and so I think she she ended up dropping out um so I rode solo for a lot of it and uh I found a group of guys and they were like, oh, if you, if you find this guy named Rob, Rob Finnegan, like you should ride with him. He's really good. And he's from here. And I was like, okay, cool. And as we were talking about him, he rolls up to the gas station and they're like, oh, this is him. And I'm like, hey, Rob, I'm going to be riding with you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he's just like, all right. All right. <laughs> um, but we worked really well together. Um, and then we also had Larry. I can't remember his last name. I'm really sorry. <laughs> and uh, he rode with Lohmeyer, us too. I think, so. right? Yeah, it was Lohmeyer. Lohmeyer. Okay. Yeah. And he's also a local of Lincoln, Nebraska. And um, we were such a great group to get working together all the way to the finish. And they were like, you deserve it. You can go sprint it out at the end. Um, they were super awesome. And uh, yeah, it was, it, was exact, it was so exciting. Like I never thought in a million years that I would ride 300 miles, let alone win a race. And then the best part, getting sprayed with champagne at the end. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of champagne. We, we, we go a above lot. and beyond on our champagne. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that was really cool. Um, So good. (laughs) That's really cool that that you did ride with Rob specifically because he's the whole antithesis of why we had the three hundred miler. He kind of came up to us in twenty twenty during COVID and was like, "Hey, you guys really need to do like an ultra, like a three hundred, like just double it." And then um, he he kind of helped. Actually, that first year he helped us with the route because he knows the road's really far out. Um, so he kind of helped us with the route too. So of all the people to ride with, he was probably your best option for sure, as well as just being a great human. And don't let him fool you. He is very, very strong on a bike. <laughs> he is so, he literally rides like a hundred miles a day. He, he is out there yeah. every single day. Uh, yeah. I think I, I saw he's well over 20,000 miles for the year already. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh. How much he rides is crazy, and it's all it's all fast. When I grow up, (laughs) and he fuels on uh, donuts and chocolate milk at the gas station. It's amazing. (laughs) That's my favorite. (laughs) Oh, that's a good question. What is your go-to like on on long rides? Because it's usually gas station fueled. What's the first thing you're going straight to at a gas station? Chocolate milk. (laughs) Yeah. 
chocolate yeah, uh, milk is like super common. It is. It's crazy. So I blame Lael Wilcox for that. <laughs> um, I did a, uh, a Patagonia ride with her. It was like 132 miles, probably one of the hardest gravel rides I've done down in Arizona. And um, I was like, hey, Lael, like, what is a good thing to feel with? She's like, chocolate milk and ice cream. And I was like, huh, I'm going to try that. And ever since then, I've just been hooked. It's amazing. Wow. <laughs> and ice cream too? Do you go for the ice cream too? Um, I do, especially if it's hot out. If it's cold, I kind of stay away from the ice cream. <laughs> I get cold easily. <laughs> what's your What's your salty go to? Ooh, salt and vinegar chips. Ooh, I like and those pickles. Too. Oh my god, pickles! <laughs> pickles are always a good choice. I love it. So let's go yeah, through your your second long voyage because you came back. You came back and you did the long voyage in 2022, and you yep. spoiler alert, you won second year as well back to, went back to back so what was uh what was that uh how did that race unfold um it was a lot easier than the first year in the sense of there was not uh, a lot of mud <laughs> um i guess i kind of left that out in the first year we had probably 10 or 15 miles of mud not all together but like kind of split up and um there was a lot of walking there was a lot of uh digging mud out of the bike <laughs> um and rob also saved me with the paint stick on that one because i had no idea what i was doing with that um so yeah the, se- the with... second year oh sorry <laughs> no sorry you rode with rob that the second year too didn't you a little bit a little bit but he was i don't know how but he was well i guess i do know how he rides every day but he was even stronger than he was the year before and probably like the fact that there wasn't any mud he would probably could go even faster um so yeah i would say the second year was uh it was easier in the sense that there wasn't as much mud um it was harder because it was faster um the guys were there was a lot more male um competition i would like there's a lot of male competition but a lot of the males were like top end cyclists that are starting to get into like ultra endurance so trying to stay with them was not possible. Um, so I rode, oh gosh, I probably rode 200 miles alone. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, That's a long yeah, yeah. So, day. Yeah. So it was, it was easier than the year before, but it was also harder in a different sense um, because the last probably 100 miles was like headwind all the way back into Lincoln. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. <laughs> and I had never... I never wanted to get off my bike so bad during that. Um, <laughs> so, and it was hot too. It was, it was pretty hot. I heard this year was hot too. <laughs> the start, the start was definitely hotter. The finish was not it. No. I think this at the okay. start, it was 90 something. Um, and then, yeah, the next day was when it really cooled off. So yeah, the, the start yeah. was brutal. We had a lot of people um, make it basically to mile 100 and call it because it was the the first part. I think if they wow. would have kept going, they maybe would have been able to pull through. But when the first 100 miles are the hottest part of it, it's pretty tough to yeah. to get back what you've lost. So. Yeah, those um, well, huge temperature changes are, are hard to deal with, too, because it's like, what do you carry with you? What do you eat? Like when it's cool, you don't drink as much. When it's hot, you drink a bunch, but then you're not eating as much. So it's it's really hard to to figure out, like how to feel for that. 
Well, I'm glad you got your first mud experience at in Nebraska for the long voyage to prepare you for this year's Unbound XL, which you ended up getting oh, third at. But that was that was a lot of mud. Oh, that was that was a lot of mud. Um, <laughs> I had dreams of mud for for weeks, but uh, yeah, I think that prepared me for that. So I actually had like two really good mud tools that really helped um I was planning on finishing that race between 21 and 23 hours and it ended up taking me 30 hours <laughs> oh my goodness that's still yeah I mean uh... <laughs> to finish last year's XL to finish last year's any unbound is a, an accomplishment but right. the XL was insane how much mud I had heard there was like 20 miles of hike a bike or something like that does that sound about right so let's see. As the sun was going down was the first section of mud that we hit. And I was still hiking in mud when the sun came up. Oh so, my <laughs> if you put gosh. that into perspective. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds so um, horrible. <laughs> oh yeah, it was awful. So um the the female winner and the male winner of Unbound, I believe they had they had just like way bigger tire clearance. So I think they're maybe running like a, like a mountain bike fork possibly. Um, and so they were able to roll through a lot of that, whereas some of us did not have that clearance and um, <laughs> you roll two feet and your wheel stop moving. And then you carry your bike that weighs twice as much as it did before. Um, yeah, it was, it was insane. Um, and then I was trying to finish the race before the second storm came in the next day, um, which is, a, I believe, I believe most of the pro field for the 200 finished before that second storm came in. I literally thought it was going to be a tornado. It was terrifying, um, but it didn't end up being a tornado, but it did cause more mud. <laughs> um, so there was another probably three mile section um yeah, that was just, it was just awful. And there was nowhere to walk on it because it had been walked on so much that there was no grass areas to walk on. It, it was awful. Um, and uh, then you had to climb this really steep hill after, afterwards. And um, some really nice people that lived in a house at the top of the hill had their hosts sticking out into the road so you could spray off your bike, uh, which I'm super thankful for because I think that's – Probably the only reason why I finished that race. Um, also, the last 20 miles, my uh, shifter died. My um, my ceramic oh, no. shifter died. Oh, yeah, so I brought extra batteries, but I have mountain bike gearing on my gravel bike. So um, I didn't realize I would need more batteries. <laughs> um, so I found this guy who was essentially single speeding it. And he was like, hey, I'll give you my battery if you pull me on the uphills or pull me on the downhills, I'll pull you on the uphills. So we worked as a team the last probably 20, 25 miles to the finish. Um, and then when I did finish, everyone was like, oh my gosh, fourth place was, you know, maybe a couple miles behind you. And so I think if I wouldn't have found that gentleman, I think he was Canadian from Quebec. Um, he, uh, and I never got his name either. Um, but anyways, if it wasn't for him. I probably wouldn't have finished third. <laughs> Man. Isn't it like yeah. when you're doing those really long rides and you come across those people that kind of save your race? Like I think anybody mm -hmm. that's done gravel riding and then you're like, 
kind of at the end you're like did i imagine that person the whole time like because like you don't know their name sometimes like I, that happened to me at unbound in 2017 i think when i did it like i finished in the dark and i was riding with a guy for a while and or a long while like 50 miles and then when he hit 200 he's like i'm gonna stop and take a photo uh of my gps and i was like i gotta go if i stop i'm not gonna go i know there's only three miles left but if I stop, it's bad. And so then I sat there at the finish line to like cheer the guy, like whatever he finished. And I waited like 15 minutes and the guy never came. And then I was like, did I imagine this guy like the last 50 miles, like in my head? Like, and then finally, like I had waited like a half, a half hour around the gate area. And like, as I'm walking away, they said the guy's name finishing. I'm like, okay, he was real. Okay. We're good. <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> Yeah, right. um, so it did end up getting dark right before the finish, like probably five miles to the finish. And of course, he was doing the two, he was, a, I think he was a 200 mile racer because he was like, oh, I planned on finish, finishing before the sun went down, so I didn't bring lights. So I had to, <laughs> I took out my lights. And so, like, he also had to stay with me because he didn't have lights. And uh, yeah, and then, like, going into the finish, he disappeared and I I don't remember seeing him although like I was very very tired but I don't remember him crossing the finish line so I needed to give him his battery back and I just like never saw him again oh man <laughs> so if you're out there and you listen to this I have your battery <laughs> well and I remember you also told me at the finish that you had hallucinated pretty hard during the last half of the race right oh yeah so well in the morning after hiking all that distance, um, I do remember it was like misty out and the sun was just rising and I saw this really pretty grass hill and there was a tree on the top of it. Well, I didn't see a tree. I saw a big boy, that big boy statue from like the 1980s, like the, bur- the burgers 1990s. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. The burger guy. <laughs> <laughs> I saw him standing at the top of the hill and like, I it was so real and then I like (laughs) turned around behind me and I saw that it was a tree and I was like oh okay well that's that's fun (laughs) oh I'm getting a good burger at the top of this hill getting a milkshake oh yeah so you you saw her at the finish (laughs) yeah I I stuck around because I knew I had been tracking her and I was like, I want to say hi at the finish line. So I stuck around until she finished. Oh, and then cool. I was so soaked to the bone from standing out there in the rain all day. I was like, I'm leaving. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I had I had decided to leave early. I think I left at like five, maybe. Yeah, so I, I got home mm-hmm. that night because, yeah, that was a that was a very long week for me, too, with Hall of Fame stuff and everything. But that's awesome. Oh, you got to yeah. watch her finish. Yeah, um, that's so cool. <laughs> The other thing that's like impressive on top of all of your writing stuff is you're a full-time nurse. And then for yes. up until very recently, you were a traveling nurse as well. So you were hopping all over the country that, I mean, and you were COVID nurse on top of that too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So um, I started very impressive before that. And then, yeah, <laughs> being an ICU nurse and uh, trying to do cycling full-time, like, Nursing is my side job. <laughs> how how did you balance that? I mean, because you're, you're training. What was your – how many hours were you training? And then how many hours were you working? Because, I mean, ICU nurses were – I mean, you were our savior for two years. So, like, what was your, what was your time frame like training and, and working? 
Um, so the first year that I was training during COVID, I was working four days a week. So I only had three days of training. So in those three days, I would ride as much as I could. Um, and so I got, I kind of got that ultra endurance under my belt. Um, whereas last year it was a little bit different, um, doing the travel nursing, um, in a different terrain, different weather. Like I was dealing with winter, which Arizona, we don't really have a winter <laughs> that we can't ride in. So, um, I was actually only doing, you know, one to three hour rides, just high intensity, um, training rides. Uh, on my days off and because I already had that base endurance I really didn't focus on riding big miles um, until the event and then how did you focus on recovery when you were on your feet all day because when it sounds like when you were off your feet you were on your bike uh yeah I don't really recover um I don't my rest days are work days (laughs) um compression socks (laughs) Uh, yeah, I, I guess that's where the crazy comes in. Um, so obviously working 12 to 14 hour days at work is an endurance, uh, challenge in in itself. Um, and then that being my day off of the bike, then I turn around and then I go ride my bike on my days off. Um, yeah, I don't really get a lot of rest. Uh, and I think it's good and bad. It keeps me focused. Um, but I also wonder like how long I'm going to be able to do it for. (laughs) That's fair. That's fair. Where have been some cool places that travel nursing has taken you? Um, Because I'm assuming you get to take your bike around to a lot of the places that you go. Yeah. So um, I've actually only been a couple places for my jobs. Uh, So I went to Georgia first um, and that was like one of the peaks of COVID. Um, And it was during winter. It's wet. It's cold. I, I love Georgia, but that was not a good time to be there. Um, and so I ended up going to Boston next. And again, there's winter here. Um, but I found a huge <laughs> community of cyclists here. Um, runners, uh, there's just everyone out here is an athlete of some sort. Um, and then I was doing that for about a year and I met my boyfriend out here in Boston um, and he actually lives in New Hampshire. So now I'm up here in New Hampshire kind of doing, I guess, technically local travel. So I'm in Lebanon, New Hampshire now um, at the big hospital there. But the fact that I work contracts, I can work three months and then take a month off. And so that's where I do a lot of my traveling is I can take a month off and then I just drive around the country and do cool stuff. (laughs) Nice. That's so cool. I love that flexibility that you have. Yeah. It's kind of like work, 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 and then have fun. Um, So that's, are you, are you still doing the contract stuff now? I am. Yeah. Um, I haven't decided to settle yet because unfortunately nurses don't get paid very much, um, especially in in New Hampshire. (laughs) So, um, you know, for, for my lifestyle, travel nursing is, is cause I, I pay for all my races. I pay for all my gear. Um, I don't, I don't have any sponsorship help. Um, so having a, a good paying job helps. <laughs> Something that I've noticed you've taken up in New Hampshire, um, is mountain biking. You've spent a lot of time up on trails <laughs> lately, right? 
Oh yeah. Um, so I got a mountain bike, I think in December, January, something like that. And, uh, got like an actual full suspension mountain bike, um, at the beginning of the year and started riding the trails here. And then I started doing bike parks, which is like, bit of like downhill. And so, um, I've recently been working on doing drops and, um, like enduro, uh, jumps. Um, so my boyfriend, he does, um, like slope style type stuff and BMX. Um, so he's been helping me a lot with my mountain bike skills and it's a super, super fun community of people. Um, and I kind of like want to get better at it because <laughs> jumping on bikes is really fun. <laughs> That's so crazy. <laughs> it probably gives you a lot of adrenaline. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'm definitely a junkie for adrenaline. <laughs> Well, another genre of cycling you're into as well. It seems like there isn't an end to this, <laughs> but you're also uh, getting into bike packing as well. So what's your, um, like draw towards bike camping or bi yeah, bike packing? Um, yeah. So bike packing in <clears throat> new England is super awesome. Like if you follow Ted King and Logan Casper, you can see from all of their stuff. Uh, we have endless dirt roads up here. Um, and there's obviously there's bike packing all over the country, but just in my backyard here, there's so much. And, um, I started a little bit in Arizona, but it's harder there cause there isn't water flowing. So out here it's, it's a lot easier cause there's towns every 50 or so miles and there's streams that you can get water from and it's not 130 degrees out. <laughs> so, um, I got really into that and on my bucket list someday will probably be the, the um, tour divide. Ooh. <laughs> All yeah. right. So, oh my God. Okay. So you've got Ram <laughs> on the bucket list, tour divide. <laughs> you have like a, the 24,000 mile around the world challenge you want to do too, like break the women's record. For I that. mean, <laughs> that would be really cool. Um, I'd have to retire and do that, but Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's Anything on wild. bikes, any bikes. I love bikes. <laughs> okay. Well, to wrap this up, um, let's talk about a cool project that you have been involved with. So you um, joined the Team One Mile, and you last year participated in the Florida Recon 700-mile ride. Um, what was that, and why did you do it? So um, Mike Campbell put together a team um, called Team One Mile, and uh, they've done a couple events like right across America. Um, and last year we did um, the Florida recon ride and we were raising money for veterans that were affected by Hurricane Ian. Um, and so basically we went down to Florida and we started in Key West and we kind of made our rounds, um, stopping in a couple different cities and um, giving donations to the veterans um, in those communities and uh, we actually would sponsor one of the veterans and you know give them gas cards grocery cards um, stuff like that and it was really cool to to see the communities all come together um, and and meet us in these different areas they're they're pretty psyched to to see us riding and, and helping them out um, we gave generators uh, tools just stuff that they would need if they were ever hit by another hurricane and stuff that they're actually <clears throat> still using right now because there's a lot of rebuilding that they still have to do. 
uh, down there. So for uh, 2024, we are doing um, a new challenge. Um, it's called Camp Hometown Heroes, and it is a camp in Wisconsin that serves children of Gold Star families um, and first responders who have lost loved ones, um, say a parent. Um, and it could be lost them in combat, um, it lost them to suicide, because there's a lot of suicide with our veterans, unfortunately. Um, and so this is a free camp for the kids to come to, and they can heal, bond, um, you know, create memories, and um, kind of away from their, their home life and the like around their, their families and stuff, they can come here and hang out with other children that have been affected too. Um, and so basically we have sponsors that are taking care of all the expenses of the team to be able to go up there and ride. And I believe we're riding around 700 miles up in Wisconsin also. Um, and then we as individual riders and um, crew are trying to raise around $300 each. Our goal is $100,000 by next September for this camp. And um, basically the, the camp is free for the kids. The expenses are paying for to get the kids to and from this camp because the camp reaches a countrywide um, area. So you'll have you know kids from California, Florida, Texas, Maine, wherever, and we can fly them into Wisconsin in order to go to this camp. Um, that they'll be having and uh, we'll be stopping in um, each of these communities and, and hosting community events we'll have veteran speakers um, and we're actually going to have a couple uh, Olympians that are going to be on the team riding and a lot of people are like well why do you have to ride your bike while you're doing this well so bikes community <laughs> we have a great community in the site in the cycling area and um you know, it brings people together and it also shows people that, um, you know, we're doing this challenging ride and like, even though you've gone through whatever you've gone through in your life, you can always find some reprieve in cycling um, and a good community to back you up in cycling. Um, I also think cycling, you know, helps build leadership and skill and um, a lot of things that some people kind of have lost after being in combat or, you know, first responders um, who deal with a lot of trauma. Um, so, yeah, uh, we also are kind of thinking of um, like delving into like the gravel side of things because gravel, um, gravel pertains to a lot of things that we look into like camaraderie, um, you know, whereas road cycling, there's a lot of, uh, competition and in gravel there's camaraderie because you know when you're out riding those terrains and those courses and different weather everybody kind of relies on each other and mm -hmm. um, that's exactly what we're doing as a team um, so a lot of the people who are riding on this team are people that have never ridden this many miles um, last year on our ride I think we had like five people who don't normally ride bikes and um, it was really cool to see them grow just in that 700 miles that we would ride. So, um, is it, you... is it 700 okay. straight or do you like stop? Uh, how do, uh, we how does stop. that work? So it'll be like, a, it'll be like a hundred miles a day. Gotcha. Okay. And we'll stop that in is, each community. That is such a cool cause. How would people get involved to donate? 
Um, so you can go to teamonemile.com and there's a diff- couple different places for you to donate there. Um, and like I said, the money um, that is donated onto the website, whether individuals donate, companies donate, um, that all goes towards this camp for the kids. Um, you can kind of see more details on this on the website at teamonemile.com. There's also camphometownheroes.org uh, where you can look at what um, we're raising money for. And we also have a Facebook page, Team One Mile, that you can kind of follow um, our adventures on. That's so cool. Well, uh, when is that and when can they follow along with you next year? So we'll be from now until September, we'll be raising money. Um, and then uh, September 9th through the 14th, we'll be riding. Gotcha. Very cool. Yep. Um, and then where can people follow you on social media to support you? I'm uh, Ready Redman or social media is at Ready Redman. <laughs> Very cool. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Paige, for being on here. Um, We really appreciate you as a person. It was really awesome to get to spend a lot of time with you in a car (laughs) driving 15 miles an hour uh, across the desert. Uh, So it was awesome to getting to know you there. But also um, just thank you so much for being a great champion of our event. Um, We couldn't ask for a better first time and second time winner of the long voyage. But we got to have you come back next year to tie for three wins which has only been done by allison tetrick and john borstman so we'll see you back here for next year for sure most definitely well but before we go sophia always has one last question yes so Paige, what does the gravel family mean to you oh gravel family is humbling to me um every time i go out i see people working super hard and uh, at what they love. And um, I just feel like it's always something to grow from, um, whether it be the terrain, whether it be trying to go faster with a group. Um, But I'm always humbled by the people I'm surrounded in the gravel community. Love it. (laughs) Love it. Well, thank you so much, Paige. Good luck as we enter the off season. I'm excited to see um, and follow along with you next year. We're really excited to keep cheering you on. Woo! Yeah. (laughs) I'm Sophia. I'm Jason. And I'm Paige. And this has been another episode of the Gravel Family Podcast. We will see you next time. Gravel Family Podcast is a Pirate Cycling League production. Gravel Worlds and Pirate Cycling League are owned and operated by Gravel Adventures LLC, Lincoln, Nebraska. For more information on Gravel Family Podcast, visit www.gravelfamily.bike. For information on Gravel Worlds or Pirate Cycling League, go to www.gravel-worlds.com.